Before we begin, let's pray. Let's ask God just to open our ears and our hearts and our minds to him so that he can speak to us. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be here, to make it into your presence with your people. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be with us in these moments as we talk about how important your word is, Jesus. I pray that you would help me fill my mouth with your words, oh God. Let me speak what you want me to say and let our ears be open, hear your voice and ready for what it is that you want to do through us. I believe, oh God, that your word has so much power. It can change lives and transform people like they never expected. And I pray that for today, that this would be the beginning of someone's journey into your word in a way that will shape and minister to their lives. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I know a lot of you have heard me talk relentlessly about the power of the Word of God in my life, um, and so you're going to have to hear it a little bit again today, but you know what? I just really never get tired of sharing my testimony, and we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of our testimony, so what's going to happen today is that somebody is going to receive power to overcome through my testimony, because it is not limited to me what the power of God's Word is, so I'm going to share some things um, that are very personal, um, and I hope that's okay. It's transparent, but you know what? I just believe that God wants me to share this, so I'm going to do that. I would like to read from to you from a journal of mine, and it is from um, 11 years ago, and I was 28 years old when I wrote this, and it was during a time that I was asking the Lord to change me, to shape me, that I needed to be transformed, and I had prayed that very specifically, and I know that God gave me direction to study his word in a very specific way for that to happen. Now, this is what I wrote on the first kind of page of that journey. It was kind of a guided thing. And so this is what I wrote about myself. I said, spiritually, this is 11 years ago, spiritually, I am anorexic. I look into a mirror and I am deceiving myself into thinking that there is a spiritually healthy person when really my spirit is em emaciated and I pray that others see health and because of the spiritual state of a lot of people, maybe they are deceived. I am tired of lying to myself and deceiving others into believing that I am fine. I must begin to nourish my soul with the things of God, or I am going to die. So I wrote that about myself. It's a very honest answer to myself. But I understood 11 years ago that I was in a place that was a dangerous place to be spiritually, where others might look, and I looked okay, but I knew that I wasn't. So what happened was I started a goal of reading, and this was 21 days, okay? I started a goal of reading the Word of God for 21 days, and it was very specific what I would read, but I committed to the Lord that I was going to do this. If you know me, I have attention problems, so for me to do something for 21 days was just a really big deal. But I did it. And on the 21st day, this is what I wrote. I can't believe it. I did it. I really thought that I wouldn't do it. I know myself well enough to know that without God, I would have quit halfway or less through. I am amazed how in such a short time, my whole biblical view has changed. For 28 years, 
I have used the Bible as a roadmap for my life. However, I now know that the Bible is life. There is no scenery beyond it. Everything I need is there, and I never have to live outside of its pages. I have seen such a difference in myself these last days. With my family, I can now become all that I need to be, and with my church family, I can now lead without blinders. God has answers for all the things, and I now have the source and the tools to open it up. So I wanted just to share that with you because it was just such an amazing transformation. I did not write that today. That was literally day one and day 21 of what God, how God did a work in me through his word. And I wanted to share that with you today because I believe it's very important to what we're going to be talking about. My husband shared a story with us recently about a man that testified to him that he was in a very bad place. If I'm not mistaken, he had addiction issues and just struggles in his life. And, and he was just he knew he was in a bad spot. He tried everything and nothing had worked. And so someone challenged him and they said, if you will read the Bible every day for three years, your whole life will change. And he did it. And his whole life has changed. (laughs) Go figure. It worked. (laughs) But it is such a life-changing source that we have in the pages of the word. And so many times we turn to so many different things to try to help us when all we need is really right here. It's right here. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, And I wanted to just kind of stand upon what God has done in my life as I finish up this series. So the importance of God's word, God's word and my heart. What, how are they connected? What does that mean? So I have to make my words and my desires pleasing to the Lord. Now that's a tall order. My desires need to be pleasing to the Lord. That is a work that only God can do, right? What's that? The heart wants what the heart wants. That's like on a t-shirt somewhere. Well, how true is that? But it doesn't have to be the end, right? We can allow God to change us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 is our key verse for the day. It says this, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So if you're there, I'm going to just kind of walk through dissecting this verse. So what that means is I read the verse with a Strong's concordance and took some of the words that maybe I didn't understand or that had a deeper meaning and broke it down so that I can understand it better. So the word of God is quick. That means it's alive and it's life-giving, okay? It's a living word of God. Now, what that means is you might read a scripture and it means something and and build something up in you or work something in you, or you might just pass it in your daily reading, right? And then a year later, you go back to that scripture and all of a sudden it has such a deep meaning. Why? It's the living word of God. It is life-breathing and when you need it, It can speak to you in different circumstances. It's a living word of God. It's a powerful. So the word of God is quick and powerful. It's active. It's operating. It's effective. It is doing a work. It's working. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Now that kind of, I mean, if you really want to know. So it's not like a serrated knife where you kind of have to go like this. This is true. Okay, this is really the truth. It is a sharp So sharp, it's just going to cut right through. It doesn't take anything. It's just cutting right through. 
So we don't have to chop away at it. It's just smooth. So it is a two-edged sword. Now, when I pray on the armor of the Lord, when I get to the two-edged sword part, this is what it's come to mean for me. And uh, I say, Lord, let your word be in my mouth and as a tool in my hand, not just so I can affect others with the gospel, but let it be a scalpel, two-edged, right? Outward and inward. Let the word of God be a scalpel so that in my life it can cut away things that do not need to be there, right? So it is a two-edged sword that pierces. It reaches through. It pierces through. Even to the dividing asunder, which is that it is separating and making a difference between, okay? So the word of God is separating things in us and making a difference in us. And, and, and separating things out. When you were a kid and you ate M&Ms, did you do that thing where you separated all the colors and then ate the, you didn't do that? <laughs> I did that, okay. <laughs> That's what I kind of picture in my mind. Like there are things separated out I don't need. And this, these go this way, I don't need those. Now I ate all the M&Ms, no matter the color. So maybe that's not a great analogy, but. Um, it's separating things out and making very clear between making a difference between soul and spirit, okay? Between our soul, which is our mind, our emotions, that personality, that's me, okay? But there's some of me that's gotta go. There's parts of me they can't stay because they are not pleasing to the Lord. And then there's that spirit part of me. And you know what? I'm Holy Ghost filled. I have the spirit of God working in me. So it should always have precedent over what I want and my personality and my needs, right? Should always. Have. So there is a, what the word does is you're reading it and it's dividing out between what is me and what is God in me. And, and that's why we need to pray it every day because we need direction on that, right? Because if we followed our heart, it would probably, without a doubt, no, no probably, it's deceiving and it would deceive us and take us the wrong way. So I've got to pray, God, let your word just separate out of the things that I don't need and divide and let me see clearly what's Mandy and what's God's will for me. So the word helps us do that. See, some of us, we are in this state when we're praying this and then we're quiet. We're like, okay, God, speak it. I'll go left or right today, whatever you tell me to do. He's already written it. It's written. So we have this expectation of an audible voice, which is really cool. It's never happened to me that I know of. That's really cool. But do I really need an audible voice to know the will of God? No. You do not need an audible voice to know the will of God. You have his audible voice right here. Just read it out loud if you need an audible voice. There you go. Audible. You have the word of God to divide these things up and, and figure out what's the difference between my heart and my emotions and my mind and God's mind. I need those things working. It is a, a divider of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow. It is so precise that it can cut between the joints and marrow. Brother Alexander, can you put that picture up there for me? I want to know how tight that was. It's tight. Okay, it can cut precisely. Look, isn't that cool? 
It is so, the word of God is so precise. See, we are afraid, and I am not even on the second page of my lesson, but it's okay. Here's what we're afraid of. We are afraid that when God begins to work on our hearts, something's gonna happen, and we're just gonna, God, you're gonna, I'm gonna lose myself, or I'm not even gonna be me anymore. I'm, you know, but what happens is that God takes the usable, godly things that he's puts in us, and he divides out those things, and look at how precise his word says he is, that he can cut between that little blue line and the marrow that's in our bones. It's a spiritual analogy, folks. He's not going <laughs> to. But it, it is so possible that we walk in such unity that the word of God, that what he has created us, how we were born, the traits that we have, the things that we are that he's created us to be, we don't lose ourselves. but what happens is there is this enhancement that comes when we, of who we are, and all of a sudden our gifts and our talents are being perfectly used in the kingdom of God. That comes through the word of God. Isn't that cool? And it is a discerner, it can judge, and it can decide of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We need the word. Can you agree with me? We need the word of God. I need the word of God. So the word or this, this discerner of thought, the word, the, the discerner of thoughts and intentions of our heart. Let's imagine this scenario. A king delivers to you a rare jewel for your safekeeping. The jewel is of great value and irreplaceable, and you are responsible for its security. Now that is very sobering. Can you imagine the king says that you are to carry this treasure on a lengthy and difficult trip through an unfamiliar and often dangerous land? And you're to safeguard it on this passage, knowing that the king is going to meet you at the end of your journey. And he informs you that when he does, he's going to expect you to deliver this treasure safely back to him. And if you do so successfully, he will reward you with untold riches and pleasure. But if you fail, the consequences will be the grimmest imaginable. Undoubtedly, your mind would swim with a thousand and one questions. How should I guard it? What road should I take? Should I put it in a sock? Should I pack it where nobody would look for it? Is, it, is this gonna be dangerous? Are there other mistakes that other people have made that I could look at? Are there enemies that will try to steal it from me? And I, knowing that you have no experiencing in traveling this destination or protecting such a treasure, the task would seem overwhelming. And as you are about to despair of ever successfully completing this mission, the king hands you a book. And in the book, he has recorded the answers to all of your questions. It tells you where to walk. It tells you how to walk. It tells you what to do and what not to do and how to protect what the king has entrusted to you. Just how precious do you suppose that book would be? How carefully would you read it? How diligently would you heed its direction? I suspect that if you sincerely believe that life and death hung in the balance, you would gladly ensure that every aspect of your journey was governed by what the king's book dictated. And of course, you've made the connection, maybe. This scenario is not far-fetched. You have been given a treasure that is to be protected carefully on the journey of life. 
The king has clearly told you. Proverbs 4.23 says this, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And when this journey is complete, we are going to give an account for the condition of our hearts. And we have never done life before. We have no experience in safely transporting our pure heart from here to heaven. And so there is this invaluable book of instructions that has been given to us. The word of God is going to guide us, protecting our hearts through life if we will consistently and conscientiously apply its principles to every aspect of our journey. And in so doing, we will ensure that we please the king in this most serious of assignments. Do I have any instruction readers in the house? Or do I have people that are like, well, there's the picture. I'm sure I can make that happen, right? This is way more important than putting together a piece of furniture from Ikea. By the end, we definitely don't want any parts just hanging out. <laughs> like, they're, okay, there's an extra piece there. I didn't use that piece. No, 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 there is a precision with which we can keep this most valuable thing, our eternal soul. So the word of God is alive. And just looking at this scripture a little more, it's, it's very sad that many in our world view the Bible as this out-of-date collection of writings. They deem its words and many of its principles old-fashioned. They don't connect our postmodern culture. They, they say they don't. And, and, of course, people will be like, well, King James English is just too hard to read. And it's just full of its own opinions. And, I mean, it does, it, does it even matter anymore? Is it even valid? But even if all of the translations were the most contemporary English, it is the message of the Bible. And that message is out of step with what the world would consider normal or how the, to live the Bible does not match up very well when you look at the present state of the world and, and things that seem so common and things that seem so normal and, and things that are trying to be pushed on and normalized in us. The Bible is out of step with the culture of our world today. And that is such a shame because really it's the word of God. It's not a dead book in any fashion, but it's the word of God that brings life. So those of us who have embraced the Bible's teaching, we understand this description. We've seen the word apply to every situa to our ever-changing situations, right? The word applies. We can find word that it applies. It is a testimony to the miraculous living nature of the Bible that after 20-plus centuries, it still contains instruction on things significant today. God's word is just as applicable here in 2022 as it was when holy men its pages, right? It is, it is still relevant. You talk about the words in the Bible that you see so consistently, whether it be patience or peace or joy, um, strength. Just in the Psalms alone, you see answers that people want, people need. Sister Missy is a counselor in a middle school in the Quad Cities, and I can guarantee, even though she might not be able to say it out loud, things and situations that you are dealing with, which could blow all of our minds, I'm telling you right now, 
There is answers in the word of God, isn't there? They're coming to you with things that in the word of God is the life that they need. It's not irrelevant. It is significant to what is going on today. We need it in our homes. We need it in our daily lives. We need it in our workplaces. So this two-edged sword, the sword of the spirit, Ephesians 6, 17, we see that the sword emanates from the mouth of God in Revelations 1, 16. At the word, God's word is a powerful weapon for spiritual warfare. This is unquestioned, right? And so looking a little deeper at that two-edged description, I think this, is, this lesson just kind of puts it out there so well. It says, quite often that phrase is used to describe something that cuts both ways. Something that can be harmful, both the attacker and its intended victim, right? You got to be careful. It's a two-edged sword. Certainly, this principle is true of God's word, for it always affects the first one quoting or using it, but there is a deeper meaning here. Have you been affected by the two-edged sword, the word of God? Has it ever affected your life? If you're sitting here right now, I guarantee that answer is yes. And this word, this Greek word, Distomos is comprised of two words, which means two and mouth. So two-edged sword, there's two and mouth. So the Bible is literally calling it the two-mouthed sword. And so it should be noted that God's word is most effective, this is so cool, when it proceeds both from his mouth and then from our mouth. When we quote his word in prayer, we are allowing that sword to be mouthed for the second time. And in that moment, his word is doubly effective, both on us and on our adversary, right? It is being used as a weapon. Now, have you ever been without words in prayer? I don't even know what to pray here. Like, what do I even pray about this? That's when knowing the word of God, knowing what it means, knowing how to use it can come in so handy. And I may read some of these here in a minute, but I have, this is just one of my things and you know, you got to do what works for you. So I have some scriptures that are important here to me. And what I've done is I've read those scriptures and then I've written down um, how I can personally pray those scriptures. So one of them, see if I can find it. Um, Okay, so Isaiah 11, 40, 11 and 4 says, but with righteousness shall he judge. And so I pray, Lord, help me to use your righteousness to judge every situation. Okay, because I just don't know sometimes. And if I would judge things in my own humanity, I'd probably do a bad job sometimes. But if I judge through his righteousness, and if I pray to do that, then he is setting me up that day to judge every circumstance and situation is righteousness. So that's what I mean when I say like praying the word. So it becomes a two-edged sword like that. It has come powerfully out of his mouth and impacted my heart, connecting to me in a way where I can speak it out of my mouth and make it true. And you know what? When I ask the Lord to help me judge situations through his righteousness, the enemy really probably wants nothing to do with me because my eyes are opened in the righteousness of God. My mind is ready to see as he sees and covered by his righteousness. So the enemy's like, hey, never mind today. She's already prayed to be, you know, and God's word is true if she's prayed it. So this is important. I got to know the word of God. 
So the word discerns our thoughts and intentions. And again, we're kind of walking through the scripture some more. So the, the word of God has this unique ability to conduct its work on our hearts in deep and secret places. So anyone can conduct a surface review of our lives. And this is kind of what I wrote in my journal at the beginning. You know, I probably can fake people out really good. They think I'm super spiritual. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm a pastor's wife. I mean, what more do you need, right? But inside, God was showing me you're almost dead. And it was when I opened the Bible, one of the rare times that I did back then, that I saw that I could live a with a transformed and a renewed mind. And I thought, God showed me. He used the word as a sword to cut deep, to pierce me and say, that's not you. So how can it be you? That was my question. I get it, God. It's not me. Please don't tell anybody else. But how can it be me? And so there is this discernment, and God begins to show you these things. You've got to say no to those things. You've got to separate out those things. And God can show you. He can line all the M&Ms up in one color, but you have to pick which ones you're going to eat. <laughs> my bad word picture again but the word of God does that it distinguishes and you realize oh if I really want to grow in this I'm probably not going to be able to do that or have that and I have to make a decision that I'm going to obey the word of God and the word of God it examines our attitudes and not just our action it discerns what is concealed from others and it serves us well in the quest to protect our hearts so are we courageous enough to look into the word of God and hold it up to our life. It's important for us to remember that nothing in our lives is hidden from God. Scripture tells us in the next verse, Hebrews 4.13, that all things are naked and open to him. There is no covering that veils any part of our lives from the sight of God. Jeremiah 16, 17, God is speaking and he says, for mine eyes are upon all their ways and they are not hid from my face. Neither is their iniquity, neither is their sin hid from mine eyes. <sighs> Nothing is hidden from him. There is no question that God knows all of our secret sins. And the fact that the Bible would just call us out like that. There are secrets in there. What a blessing. Because what would happen if the only thing that I was worried about was what other people knew or what other people see? But if, when I read the word and I recognize there are things in me that God sees, and even though other people might think I'm well on my way to delivering this treasure to the Lord, God knows the truth. And so, so what if for 75 years I can fake out all of humanity when I get to heaven, my heart's not right? Because I was doing things in secret. Thank God he calls us out. Thank God for lessons like this that are written for us to say, just 
expose those things to the Lord. I am, there's things in here. And if, if you don't even, I, I pray God, there are things in me I don't know. I can't see. I don't recognize them, Jesus. There are things in me, God, that I need you to expose to me so that I can stop. I, I don't want to do it. I, I want to be able to read your word and look at it and say, that's a problem in my life. God doesn't want us to live with these problems and these secret sins in our lives. They are, they are bondage. They're bondage to us. And it's just the liberating. I, I just am so convinced it is the word of God that is a step to taking in the right direction. And, and it may not feel like much. And it may not feel like it's just the only answer. But it's the only answer. When I started reading and digging into the word of God, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how. How was I going to pray? And I didn't know how. You could say, just pray about it. I didn't know how. I didn't even know what areas of my life needed prayer. It's like fumbling around in the dark. You know, I know, God, I'm just in a bad place, but I'm just fumbling around in the dark trying to find my way out. I can't find it. Then all of a sudden, I've got a light for my feet and a lamp for my path. And there it was, 25 copies of it sitting in my house, and I hadn't turned on the on switch. What a worthless flashlight. It's the answer. I'm not even close, but I want to do something that I've been feeling to do since we started these lessons, just because I want for us to experience it. And I've, I've done it here before, and I need to find it, but there's so much power in the Word of God. It's as though when you begin to read it, the atmosphere begins to change. And it's not magic. It's just the principle of it. Because what happens when you begin to read the word of God is life begins to flow. Because it's the living word of God. So I'm going to read some of my prayer cards. And I may say the scripture, but I may not. And I just want us to feel the power of the word of God. And I want you to know these are all written based on the word of the Lord. And this one is titled, My Prayers for the Refuge. Lord, let them be filled with the knowledge of your will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, Lord, let them walk worthy and pleasing to you, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Lord, let the refuge be strengthened by the power of God to be patient and long-suffering with joy. Through all things, let us exhibit, let us show much patience 
much fasting, purity, knowledge, long-suffering, kindness, and the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, the word of truth, the power of God, the armor of righteousness on the right and the left hand. Second Corinthians 6, 3 through 10 says that there is a high standard to uphold as ministers or servants that represent God to the world and the church. And we will endure affliction and we will endure necessary distress and anguish and stripes and prison and disorder and labor and dishonor and honor and evil and good. Truth and deceivers, known and unknown, death and life, corrections, sorrow, and the poor. So let us endure it as servants and ministers. Isaiah 11, 2 says, And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So I pray, O oh God, that that will rest upon our pastor. Psalms 119 and 40 says, Lord, quicken or keep and nourish, restore and revive me in your righteousness. I pray that, Lord God, as I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Jeremiah 24, 7, Lord, give me a heart to know you and to give you my whole heart. Isaiah 11, 4 says, but with righteousness shall he judge and so help me, God to judge by your righteousness in every situation, and I put on the breastplate of righteousness. <sighs> Jeremiah 1, 9 through 10 says, Lord, touch my mouth, put your words in my mouth, help me to root out, help me to pull down, help me to destroy, help me to throw down, to build up and to plant in the places that you have set me over. Isaiah 26, three through four says this, Lord, help my mind to be stayed on you and let me always trust in you so that I can stay in perfect peace. I trust you, Lord, and you are my strength forever and I put on the helmet of salvation. It's okay. Do you feel the power and the presence of God as you begin to, those were not my words. I am not an eloquent prayer. If anything, my sense of distraction gets me again. And what happens is I just have to begin to speak the words of God. But you know what? That didn't happen because I opened the Bible and all of a sudden God was like, there it is. No, it happened because I looked, I searched. The Bible says that we must study to show ourselves approved. We have to study. We have to look. We have to be able to show God We've been looking. I care about what you care about, God. When you read the word of God and you begin to do the word of God, you're telling God, I care about what you care about and I want to do what makes you happy. I want to do what makes you happy, God. Sorry. I'm just weepy when I read the word. So we need to be encouraged, and I'm going to go back because I have a few more minutes. We need to be encouraged to understand that God notes every good deed and every decision. Remember, we 
He sees everything. And there's that scary part. He sees, but he sees everything good, every good priority that we demonstrate. And there's never a time that we do something positive in his word, in our spiritual development, that God fails to record it. And as the word of God exerts its effect on us, and we are shaping it into his image, our Father beholds that good work with approval. And so we can approach God in confidence and find grace to help. We can approach him very confidently, right? He is our strength in every weakness. In every temptation, we can be sure he has experienced it. And he conquered the power of sin and temptation. We were just talking about secret and hidden sins, and I really did feel led to read some of that. And it's because it's in those times where you are, you are dealing with those secret and hidden things, and they just feel so overwhelming. But I challenge you to dig into the Word of God and find Scripture and just read it out loud. Speak it out Because God's word guides our heart to his grace-filled throne. I can boldly approach the Lord. And the more that I know about him and the more that I know about his word, the more emboldened I become. Just this week, I kind of got on to myself because I've complained about something for so long. And the Lord's like, well, you've never prayed about it. And so I made a list and I started praying about it. And because of what I know about God and how he cares about me, he may say, no, that's fine. (laughs) But I can boldly read those things. I can boldly say, Lord, here's the thing. You already know it, but I'm going to say it out loud. And I can do that because I know the nature of God through his word. That word is perfect. It never changes. It's never flawed. It's forever. (laughs) I never really thought about what that means until just before this service. It's forever. I've raised it like a banner. The word of God abides forever. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. But it's forever. It's consistent. (laughs) There's just not much that's forever. (sighs) And what that fills my heart with is a comfort. (laughs) The word of God is forever. Forever. The world will change. You were just talking to our young people, one of them asked about the rapture and the end times and what's going to happen and will we just stand there and worship the Lord the whole time? (laughs) It was a great answer, by the way. (laughs) I don't think they expected a 20-minute Bible study, but that's what they got. (laughs) He had them cornered. He was driving the bus and they were on the second row. Um, But I think about all that and I've never thought about the fact that through that, the word of God endures through all of that, through all that we read about the end of time, 
Through all that we see when it seems very uncertain, he was talking about the different things that people think might happen. But through all of that, the word of God forever abides. It won't change. There's so much comfort in that. <laughs> people change. Situations change. Circumstances change. I change. But the word of God never changes. My body gets weaker. My mind maybe gets more confused, but the word of God never changes. And when it comes to that and everything else has faded away, what I have invested into the word of God of my time and of my mind it will last forever. <laughs> it's forever. If you could stand with me, we're done, but I want us to stand and I want you to truly thank the Lord for his word. And I know that not everybody has adopted this, and I'm, I'm very sorry. I have been weepy today, and I knew that I would be because it's such a, such a, my heart is full. My heart is full. But I just want us to take a moment to thank him for his word. And maybe you do not know yet how to get a hold of this. But if you ask, he will show you. Lord, we thank you for your word. I thank you for its enduring truth. Lord, it's forever, God. It is settled, though things around us might change. And Lord, the world just seems so crazy and it seems like everything's falling apart and we don't know what's gonna happen and we don't know the state of our economy or what's gonna be coming at us in the next few years. What we know is that your word is true and that it never fails and that it brings life, oh God, and that it changes us and molds and shapes us into who that we need to be to be eternally with you, God. And so we say thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the strength that we receive from it. Thank you for the power of your word, God, that it is cutting out things in us that don't need to be there so that we can be pleasing to you. I pray over my brothers and my sisters right now in the name of Jesus that you would grant them the grace that they need to grow in the knowledge of you through your word, oh God. Help them, challenge them, God. When they lay their heads to go to sleep, but when they wake up in the morning, let their first thoughts be of your word, God, and how they can know your word, Jesus. We give you all glory. We give you all praise. And we just want to say thank you that you would give us perfect instructions. Lord, I want to be with you one day forever. I pray, help me, Jesus, to do that. And I thank you that you have given me your word to see that happen. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.